2: This is Jen Tennekin, and you're listening to the Think Inclusive podcast.
0: Recording from beautiful Marietta, Georgia, you are listening to the Think Inclusive Podcast, episode 27. I'm your host, Tim Viegas. Today, we have a fantastic conversation with filmmaker Jen Tenniken about her new film, Hearts of Glass. But before we get into the interview, I have a few announcements. The first thing I want to talk to you about is how you can support the podcast. You can go on patreon.com backslash Podcast or anchor.fm backslash think hyphen inclusive. Um, anytime anyone signs up for a monthly contribution, it helps fit, pay for the production and transcription costs for the podcasts. We do have a lot of our podcasts that are available um, through transcription. And if you are interested in those, go ahead and click on the podcasts tab on thinkinclusive.us. Again, thank you for those who have contributed uh, we really appreciate it. The other announcement um, is something we talked about last week. We are officially offering uh, inclusion coaching and educational consulting uh, through our website. So if you want more information about that, go to the services tab on thinkinclusive.us. Uh, there you can subscribe to our Think Inclusive uh, Not So Weekly email. Um we try to do it, but, it, you know, uh, less spam in your inbox is probably a good thing. Uh, we will be sending out an email very soon. If you missed out on the podcast discount for the inclusion coaching, uh, we'll be sending out an email very soon um, on a way you can get a discount on those services. Um, so uh, those are all the announcements. Um, and I want to tell you about uh, Jen. So today on the podcast, we have filmmaker Jen Tennekin. We talk about um, her most recent project, Hearts of Glass, which which she sees as an opportunity to raise awareness about local, sustainable food production and the need for inclusive, fair-paying job opportunities for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. If you like the podcast, help other people find us by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the Think Inclusive podcast. You can also tell your best friends we love word of mouth promotion um, so please please tell people about us um, and so without further ado here's the interview hello everyone uh welcome to the thinking Plus inclusive podcast time your host tim viegas uh, i am very excited to introduce Jen Tennekin, uh, filmmaker. Uh, she began making documentary films in the late 90s in Boston before moving to Jackson, Wyoming in 2002. Her previous award-winning documentaries, The Stagecoach Bar, An American Crossroads, and Far Afield, A Conversation Love Story, sorry, Conservation Love Story, has been distributed nationally by American uh, Public Television. Currently, she is partnering with her local slow food chapter, Slow Food in the Tetons, to produce Hearts of Glass, a film focused on cutting-edge vertical hydroponic greenhouse with a social mission in Jackson Hole. Hearts of Glass tells the story of the first critical year of operation of Vertical Harvest, a highly innovative but risky experiment in growing crops and providing meaningful employment to people with disabilities. Jen's film's have community at their heart and Hearts of Glass is an opportunity to raise awareness about local sustainable food production and the need for inclusive, fair paying job opportunities for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Thank you for joining us on the Think Inclusive Podcast, Jen.
2: You're welcome, Tim. It's great to be here. I can I can tell you how long ago I wrote that though, because our film changed from the first year to covering the first 15 months which is not a sexy number (laughs) it's it's a hard number like couldn't it just be like a year and a half or two years or a year no it's 15 months
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes well that's okay uh yeah you know the um it had been a while since i had watched the film and now us having this conversation um but as reviewing it for, before we uh, are having this conversation, I was just reminded uh, just about how beautiful this story is um, and how wonderfully it captures uh, the idea of this innovative practice of, of sustainable food, uh, but also... Uh, disability rights. So it's kind of like the, this mashup of agriculture and disability rights in a documentary and I've never experienced that before. So so kudos to you. This was a fantastic <laughs> For doing film to something watch. <laughs> yeah.
2: That hadn't been done before. Yeah, um it it uh, is a really interesting story and uh, the, the great thing about it is it was happening in my backyard, so I didn't really have to go very far to cover it. And I've actually in the same way that the slow food movement has practiced sort of locavore, local food, I'm I'm a local filmmaker and I don't think any of my last 3 films have been um farther than 20 miles from my house. So that I'm I'm trying to save the world by only making local films.
0: Right, right. Saving the world <laughs> by staying home.
2: <laughs> by staying home, right, right.
0: And, um, yeah, because I, I had reached out to you to
2: be a, a test screener of the film, uh, unlike the previous two films that I had done. I, I With this film, I went through a series of test screenings with various audiences, and we didn't focus just on disability, but we, we – we obviously reached out to some um disability viewers and advocacy groups but we tried to mix up our audiences so um we had uh, a lot of different perspectives on it and um yeah your feedback was helpful so that's why that's why in the write up that i sent you when we were going to originally do this podcast i don't know 6 or 8 months ago that uh, it was covering a year and not 15 months so so right. some things have changed yeah but um it really is something that uh, is incredibly innovative and and is not going on anywhere else in in the world at this moment. This particular combination of uh, a high-tech vertical farm in a purpose-built building on an extremely small footprint, with the amount of technology crammed into it, I you know I mean, in ways you don't even have to say. So much about the technology because the images of the vertical carousels and the horizontal carousels just sort of speak for themselves. They look so cool and high tech,
0: right? Um, right, exactly. And, and
2: and then the and then the combined social mission, you know, vertical harvest was um, always envisioned to sort of bring these two things together: a community need for um, local year-round produce which is uh, very difficult to to grow in Jackson which has a a four to five month growing season outdoor growing season and um, meaningful competitively paid jobs for community members with disabilities
0: Um, now uh, so I have two questions to kind of start us Mm -hmm. off Um, what was what was your involvement in this project as far as vertical harvest goes how did you um, how did you first you know uh, learn about it and why was it important to you to even make this documentary about this particular uh, this particular issue um, these combining of issues the you know the greenhouse and then the uh, employment for people with disabilities
2: um, well, I first became, you know, I mean, Jackson is a small town. We have ten thousand people in our town, so chances are, <laughs> you you know, a lot of people. And I, I did know the the two, and then the, it turned out to be three women who kind of founded it, and um, so and it was an eight year, I think it was about an eight year process, you know, from the idea and the inception of the idea a vertical harvest to the culmination where the doors were opening and they were growing produce. So um, I think that I helped my friends at some point with a Kickstarter video for it or I contributed some footage. Um, It went through several iterations where in the beginning it was um, uh, a nonprofit where people were donating and then it eventually morphed into a and this is very sexy low profit limited liability corporation
0: <laughs> mm, okay <laughs> yes
2: which is uh, it's a, it's a low profit um company uh, so the social mission is um is primary uh, there are investors uh, that expect a return on their investment but it is slow money and, um, and patient, patient capital. So all that kind of B Corp, um, social investing that is quite, quite hot at the moment.
0: Right. Yeah. I was actually just thinking about B Corp because uh, that's something that it, it, the only reason that popped into my head was, um, um, a low profit, organization that sounds a lot like thinking inclusive <laughs> yeah yeah it is really
2: cr- it is bad marketing yeah it? <laughs> it is it is
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. yes but i've got uh, a great
2: business it's completely low profit <laughs> would you like to invest yes <laughs> yeah
0: that's right so all the investors out there right <laughs> right no right. that's fantastic um and so you just kind of did so it sounds like you were just trying to help them out and then and then what drew you to wanting to make the documentary?
2: Well, yeah so as I said it was an 8-year process for them to really bring this to fruition. So I was making other films during during the interim and um I happened to finish the last one, uh, Far Afield, The Conservation Love Story, just as they were finishing um, building the greenhouse. And I did have this moment where I thought, ooh, I really could use a break, because being an independent film producer makes you want to curl up in the fetal position a lot of the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But but I thought – you know, this really is a once in a lifetime chance to capture this moment in time. It's a, it's a very, um, exciting time for this. It's a startup. It, um, not only has the social mission, but it has all of this high tech hydroponic vertical farming equipment in it. Um, it just seemed, it seemed like I, I, I should do it and I, uh, and I couldn't pass it up. And, you know, I, it's very important to have editorial separation in the work that you do as a documentary filmmaker. And, um, you know, the film is not for vertical harvest and they did not financially support it. Um, but, um, but it clearly is about them and I'm sure it will, I'm sure it will be a benefit to them in some ways, but it is nice to have editorial separation and it is nice that, I live in a small town and people were comfortable with my reputation and they let us have really unfettered access um, because I'm sure there were some things they would prefer that we didn't film and I know every time um, the people from Vertical Harvest watch it they uh, they enjoy it but they also go through an angst around some of the uh, the highs and lows around the business Mm -hmm. model and um, you know, dialing in the growing of crops. Um, there, there were a lot. There were a lot of variables for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so there, uh, there are several themes that are really in this, uh, in Hearts of Glass. And you know, I'm not a filmmaker, but I, I'm. So I'm wondering if uh, these themes were intentional or they just kind of grew, uh, came out organically in the in the film. Mm-hmm. But so you have this theme of inclusion, of, uh, of creating an environment where you have, you know, you, you, have, uh, people with intellectual disabilities and, you know, typically developing or, you know, however you want to say it, uh, uh, you know, workers working together, uh, mm-hmm. and, and just how empowering that is because it, when you look, when you watch the film, the, the, the people that are working side by side, it, it is not a, um, um, it's not just a helper help E type of role. Mm-hmm. They're working together, um, for, for a common goal. And mm-hmm. while there's support there, uh, you don't see the, um, the workers talk down to the people with intellectual disabilities. They're really, their equals and their peers and that is as a as an educator and someone who wants to you know promote that that type of inclusion in you know in our communities and schools that was so refreshing to see and to see play out in such a, a natural environment. So I I really love that. And then you have um the idea that uh people with uh disabilities are working but they're also working for a competitive wage. They're not, you know, having sub, sub pay at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then you have this whole other story of just how the greenhouse works in general, which was fascinating. So could you talk about those, uh, about those themes Were they intentionally uh, put out or, or were you, you know, how how did that play out in, in how you were making the film?
2: So a couple of things, I I feel like I I missed part of your, other question before I'm going to go go back because it touches on disability. So uh, you know a lot of a lot of people who make films about disability have a personal connection to disability. Mm. and I didn't really have one before before working on the film. And so for me, just from a very personal experience, I started to get introduced to people in my community that, for whatever reason I hadn't been aware of or in the same circles with. And it was very, I think very rewarding just to get a sense of um, what people's capabilities are and um, meet families, uh, job supports, you know, caregivers, lots of different people involved in the whole process and just really get a sense of um, the complex web that is created, uh, with the community. And then I think just seeing, um, the employment model, which is not, you know, I, I, there's a, I think, and I have, I have had a quick learning curve, I think, um, working on the film. Um, I've, you know, I, we started filming in December of 2015 and, and really early on I reached out to, um, the University of Wyoming and the University of Montana's um, University Centers on Excellence in Developmental Disability to have advisors on board from the get-go and they were extremely helpful and from there I got connected with um, the uh, Association for University Centers on Disability. I'm, I'm trying not to use all of the acronyms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs>
2: yeah, um, so um, I think Vertical harvest model is is not all the way towards one side of the spectrum on completely integrated and competitive, but it is definitely towards the correct side of the spectrum in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that their breakdown of workers is probably fifty percent with disabilities and fifty percent without. And um, Seeing how, again, I think it comes down to sort of a cor- corporate, although, you know, startup culture, corporate culture, a culture of inclusion. I mean, they're, they were just very um, inclusive and accepting. And, yes, everyone was contributing to the same mission. And people with disabilities uh, as employees there were extremely visible and a vital part of the um, – and continue to be uh, a vital part of the business. So – I really hadn't had much exposure to uh, the disability community before so it was eye-opening in that respect Mm -hmm. and um, you know just to see as you mentioned people treated with um, you know dignity and the dignity to fail right Mm -hmm. to perhaps not achieve something Um, and it was also different from the other films that I've done in in that the previous films had been retrospective. You know, I had found a story that I wanted to tell that had already happened, and I could choose my characters and I could do my research and figure out who I, you know, which stories I wanted to tell. This was unfolding and um, it was extremely stressful in terms of, you know, are we following the right employees? Will there be enough drama? Will people evolve and change? You know, what's going to happen? So, you know, nobody has the budget, nor should they spend, you know, every day filming in that greenhouse during our 15-month period. That would have been um, a disaster in terms of trying to go through footage. So mm-hmm. we tried We tried to really uh, get a sense of what was going on, figure out the dynamics. Um, we probably followed... Eight, eight or nine characters, and then had to whittle that down to five main characters mm-hmm. um, that ended up cross disability and ranging in age from their twenties to their fifties, um, men and women. Uh, so it was, I think, a very a good spectrum that we ended up up following. Um,
0: yeah. So you know, the think- uh, no, no. So no, uh, the so the cross. I guess the. Um diversity in your characters was intentional
2: intentional in a way, but also just I think good luck. Um, mm. you know we ended up um, yeah, with a good range just because that's whose stories panned out. It would have been good, no matter what, but it was very it was important us to have at least at least one uh, female character, and we <laughs> we did manage that.
0: That's good. Yeah, so the the character uh Micah, that, that you're mm-hmm. talking about um is fascinating uh and she also has her side I guess business of uh mm-hmm. of producing art artwork uh yeah. which is a a a really nice uh a part of her story. Um uh, I I did want to I did want to bring up one uh, part of Johnny's story. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess this is the educator in me. Um, mm-hmm. there's a scene, <laughs> there's a scene where, uh, they're having, um, some sort of, um, uh, like beginning of the day pep talk or something like that. And that the, I would assume the manager, um, asks everyone to share, you know, I guess how they bring joy to the world or something like that. And, uh, And Johnny, uh, you know, perks up and he says, well, you know, I recite movies, (laughs) I recite Mm -hmm. movie lines. And uh, as the educator in me, it it would have been so easy for that manager to say, well, that's really not, you know, that's off topic. (laughs) Or, you know, that's (laughs) like, you know, let's bring it back, Johnny. But instead, she she goes with it and she uses his interests, which is obviously reciting movie lines. Mm -hmm. And then he recites this movie line, which is so on point with, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, with just the, uh, uh, the, I guess the tone of the tone of the, the group. And Mm -hmm. I, I know I don't want to spoil anything, but it was just really a great moment. And it was, those kinds of things, as a as someone who is interested in disability rights and, and inclusion, uh, that I love to see, and I would love to see people see that scene and and um, and experience the dignity that is given to the workers. So I just wanted to to share that because that that was really powerful for me.
2: Oh, that's good. I mean, I think those those things coming from outside the disability world and maybe being um, sometimes hypersensitive, not knowing, you know, we wanted, we ran those scenes by advisors to make sure it didn't seem like people were laughing at, I mean, yeah, laughing at Johnny so much as laughing with him or, you know, like it wasn't a derisive kind of feel to it or, um, like making someone perform kind of thing. Um,
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
2: That's good. Did
0: you, did, (laughs) Did you have a, a favorite story or um, s- something about the, the portraits that you did that really stuck out to you?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think I have a favorite scene in the movie and, um, well, actually, I, I probably have several favorite scenes, but I, I Johnny, in addition to um, being a big movie fan, is, is a brony. He loves... Um, he's a My Little Pony fan and um, there are bronies who uh, don't have disabilities and there are bronies with disabilities and so I, I've met so, I've had some feedback uh, occasionally where people are like that's infantile and uh, you shouldn't show that and I was like well if a person without disabilities can be a brony can a person with disabilities be a brony? Absolutely. I <laughs> yeah so um, a scene near the end where where Johnny it puts on his um, uh, My Little Pony outfit for the, the character uh, Shining Armor and performs at a, a three-year-old's birthday party and deals with all the chaos and the noise. And you can, I think, really see how he has developed skills to deal with some of it. Um, and it even gets out a little uh, out of hand at a moment, but he, he pulls it back in, and it's just, it's, it's about, I think, seeing, um, growth in characters over the course of the film. And to me, that was sort of a beautiful little story, which is just, I mean, there's nothing better than somebody in a pony costume, in my opinion, but. (laughs) 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 And really, and really enjoying it. Like he's really working the room in that three-year-old birthday party.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what, uh, Overall, how did the making of this film impact you personally?
2: I, I think, you know, as I said, um I, I didn't have a lot of exposure to um my fellow citizens with disabilities here in Jackson, so it's allowed me to develop some friendships with people that I you know, I mean I say friendships because they extend beyond the the filmmaker subject um lines, Mm -hmm. um, delineations, and, um, you know, it's just, it's great to know, like, I just know Sean. I don't necessarily, I mean, Sean has strengths and weaknesses, and he's a great worker, and he's super fun to hang out with, and, I mean, it's a small town, so I feel like it's, it's just opened my eyes to how I can extend my community, and the value, I think, of natural supports, um, on On the job um or you know just in life i I saw that happen at vertical harvest. I don't think we you know there are only so many things we can show in a film, and I think that's one thing that you probably don't get as much of a sense of, but you know we saw friendships evolve and natural supports evolve um through work relationships, and I think that's some of the stuff that you pointed out early on where you see. Um, there there are a number of employees who have job supports that help them throughout this period that we filmed, but there are also coworkers um, that just function as natural supports. So um, I think just, yeah, being kind, being inclusive, engaging with people. I, my goal was that when people walked away from this film, that they – knew enough about our five major characters that they could start up a conversation or know what their likes or dislikes were or that they really got a little window into people's personality and they weren't just sort of monolithic portrayals of people with disability, you know, to be pitied or um, or, or not really... Did you, you never learn enough about people's characters to really care
0: um right that, that's yeah so Jen what what was the biggest thing that you learned about um the I guess the vertical hydroponic greenhouse um uh in making this film like what was the biggest thing that 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 you the biggest learned
2: about thing that is it, perhaps more stressful to run a hydroponic vertical farm than it is to make a film about a I vertical bars. <laughs> no, it just I mean that it just it takes um it takes uh brave and committed people to I think take that kind of risk. Um you know, they they did a ton of research um to create this vertical farm and the, um, the employment model. But, you know, I mean, where the rubber meets the road is when you get in the greenhouse and you're beginning to grow things. And it was just, um, the, the commitment, the ups and downs, the fact that these people were in it, um, for the long haul, um, it was it was impressive. It was impressive. There were times when you were filming where you were just like, "Oh my goodness, I feel so much for you, people." Um, meaning the pe- the people who work at Vertical Harvest, everybody who works at Vertical Harvest. So,
0: yeah. Um, well, the uh, Hearts of Glass is uh, fantastic. I can't wait for our listeners um, to see the film. So, tell us how they can see the film. Um, if, if it's po- even possible <laughs> at this point. Right.
2: So we're we're very early in our festival run, and that is the first phase of distribution of the film. Um, so people, unfortunately, well, people can, could see it if they come to the Wild and Scenic Film Festival in January in Nevada City, California. We just got selected um, for that. Um, but we're a little ways off from having public screenings, but there will come a point where, um, you know, we, we want to encourage community screenings. People be, will be able to, um, buy a download of the film, um, all of, all of those wonderful things that happen, but we're a little ways off from that. Uh, we've presented some excerpts and had panel discussions at a couple of disability conferences, and we are looking forward to um, attending Tasha's National Conference in Portland at the end of November. And uh, one of our main characters, Ty Warner, will be there with his father. And um, so I think it's really important when we do these presentations to have a self-advocate employee there as part of it. Um, so th- what you can do right now is follow us on social media and you can find out um, when you'll be able to see the film and where you'll be able to see the film. Uh,
0: fantastic. Uh, and uh, I would assume uh, the, the hearts of glassfilm.com uh, they can see uh, trailers of the film and may, do you have excerpts on there as well? Uh,
2: we have a couple of different, I think versions of the trailer uh, on the facebook page we as our cover photo we have a a mosaic um of a version of our trailer um yeah and then um yeah we we have a presence on facebook um instagram and we're working on twitter because boy doesn't twitter need you have to really work that one
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly yeah all right um well, Jen uh, Tennekin, thank you for uh, taking time out to be on the Think Inclusive podcast. We look forward to uh, promoting the film when it gets a little bit um, more uh, so that the, the public can see it. Um, thank you for your time.
2: Yeah, thank you, Tim.
0: That is our show. We would like to thank... Jen Tennekin for being a guest on the Think Inclusive podcast. Make sure to get updates about her film Hearts of Glass at heartsofglassfilm.com and jen10productions.com. You can also follow Hearts of Glass on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow Think Inclusive on the web at thinkinclusive.us as well as Twitter, Facebook, Google, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to the Think Inclusive podcast via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Anchor.fm, the easiest way to start a podcast. If you are using the Anchor app to listen, please leave us a voicemail. You may be featured on our next podcast. You can also favorite us and or use the applause button while listening to the show. We love to know that you are listening. Also, a reminder that you can support the Think Inclusive podcast via Patreon or anchor.fm with a monthly contribution so that we can continue to bring you in-depth interviews with thought leaders in inclusive education and community advocacy. Also on that note, thank you to Patreon Donna L for their continued support of this podcast. From Marietta, Georgia, please join us again on the Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for your time and attention.